This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of medial ulnar collateral ligament injury from the shoulder and elbow section on orthobullets.com. Attenuation or rupture of the ulnar collateral ligament of the elbow leads to valgus instability. As far as the epidemiology of medial ulnar collateral ligament injury, this is seen in overhead athletes who place significant valgus stress on their elbows, such as baseball players. It's relatively uncommon in skeletally immature throwing athletes. Little leaguer's elbow is the more common cause of medial elbow pain with decreased throwing effectiveness and distance in the pediatric population. As far as pathophysiology of medial ulnar collateral ligament injury, the mechanisms can be acute trauma, overuse injury, or iatrogenic. With respect to acute trauma, medial ulnar collateral ligament injury is often associated with a dislocation. As far as overuse injury, with respect to biomechanical forces, microtrauma from repetitive valgus stress leads to rupture of the anterior band of the medial UCL. Baseball pitchers place significant valgus stress on the elbow in the late cocking and early acceleration phase of throwing. Remember that elbow valgus load increases with poor throwing mechanics and decreases with trunk scapular kinesis, forearm pronation, and dynamic flexor pronator stabilization. And remember that valgus load is highest in the acceleration phase. As far as iatrogenic mechanisms, remember that excessive olecranon resection places the MCL at risk. Associated conditions with medial ulnar collateral ligament injury include traction-related ulnar neuritis, olecranon or posteromedial impingement, and or elbow arthritis. Now let's go over some relevant anatomy. The medial collateral ligament, or MCL, is also called the ulnar collateral ligament, or UCL. The MCL is divided into three components, the anterior oblique ligament, the posterior oblique ligament, also known as the posterior bundle, and the transverse ligament. With respect to the anterior oblique ligament, this is the strongest and most significant stabilizer to valgus stress. It courses from the medial epicondyle to the sublime tubercle. The anterior oblique ligament, also known as the anterior bundle, subdivides into anterior and posterior bands. The anterior band exhibits nearly isometric strain during elbow range of motion. The posterior band exhibits increasing strain during higher degrees of elbow flexion. The posterior oblique ligament, or posterior bundle, demonstrates the greatest change in tension from flexion to extension. It is also tighter in flexion. And finally, the transverse ligament has no contribution to stability. As far as the presentation of medial ulnar collateral ligament injury, acutely injuries may present with a pop associated with pain and difficulty throwing. As far as symptoms, the major symptoms include decreased throwing performance, pain, and ulnar nerve symptoms. With respect to decreased throwing performance, specifically these patients will see a loss of velocity and loss of control or accuracy. With respect to pain, patients will experience medial or posterior elbow pain during late cocking and acceleration phases of throwing. Many throwers also have posteromedial pain due to valgus extension overload felt during the deceleration phase. Ulnar nerve symptoms include paresthesias down the ulnar arm into the ring and small fingers. Physical examination should include inspection and certain provocative tests. Inspection may reveal tenderness along the elbow at or near the MCL origin, and posteromedial tenderness may be due to valgus extension overload. Make sure to evaluate the integrity of the flexor pronator mass and also evaluate for cubital tunnel symptoms. Provocative tests include the valgus stress test, milking maneuver, and the moving valgus stress test. 
The valgus stress test is done by flexing the elbow to 20 to 30 degrees, which unlocks the olecranon, and then externally rotating the humerus and applying valgus stress. This is 50% sensitive to diagnose a medial ulnar collateral ligament injury. The milking maneuver creates a valgus stress by pulling on the patient's thumb with the forearm supinated and the elbow flexed at 90 degrees. A positive test is a subjective apprehension, instability, or pain at the MCL origin. Finally, the moving valgus stress test is done by placing the patient's elbow in the same position as the milking maneuver and applying a valgus stress while the elbow is ranged through the full arc of flexion and extension. A positive test is a subjective apprehension, instability, or pain at the MCL origin between 70 and 120 degrees. This is 100% sensitive and 75% specific to diagnose a medial ulnar collateral ligament injury. As far as imaging, recommended views for radiographs include an AP and lateral of the elbow, static x-rays are often normal, and may show loose bodies. Optional views include oblique views to evaluate the olecranon, and gravity or manual stress radiographs, which may show medial joint line opening greater than 3 millimeters, and this is diagnostic. As far as findings on radiographs, you will use these to assess for a posterior medial osteophyte due to valgus extension overload. With respect to MRI, UCL pathology is best seen on coronal T2 images. As far as findings, conventional MRI may identify a thickened ligament from a chronic injury, calcifications, and tears. An MR arthrogram is diagnostic and can diagnose full thickness and partial undersurface tears. Look for a capsular quote T sign with contrast extravasation. Dynamic ultrasound can evaluate laxity with valgus stress dynamically. However, this is operator dependent. As far as the differential for medial ulnar collateral ligament injury, the two major diagnoses to differentiate between include varus posteromedial rotatory instability and valgus posterolateral rotatory instability. So let's compare these two with respect to the radial head, coronoid fracture, MCL, LCL, and the physical exam. So varus posteromedial rotatory instability has no radial head fracture with respect to coronoid fracture, there is greater than 15% of the anteromedial facet that is involved. With respect to the MCL, the posterior band of the MCL is ruptured and the anterior band is intact. With respect to the LCL, you will typically see an avulsion of the LCL complex, which includes the lateral ulnar collateral ligament. And on physical exam, you will use the valgus stress test, the moving valgus test, and the milking maneuver. As far as valgus posterolateral rotatory instability, you will see a radial head fracture. With respect to coronoid fracture, less than 15% of the coronoid will be involved, so this is considered a tip fracture. With respect to the MCL, the anterior band of the MCL will be ruptured. With respect to the LCL, you will also see an avulsion of the LCL complex, which includes the lateral ulnar collateral ligament. And on physical exam, you will use a varus stress test, a chair rise, and a lateral pivot shift test. Treatment for medial ulnar collateral ligament injury can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management includes rest and physical therapy, and this is indicated as the first line of treatment in most cases. This will involve six weeks of rest from throwing, initial physical therapy will involve flexor pronator strengthening and improving throwing mechanics after six weeks and when symptoms have resolved. Finally, patients will be involved in a progressive throwing program. As far as outcomes, 42% of patients return to pre-injury levels of sporting activity at an average of 24 weeks. 
Operative options for medial ulnar collateral ligament injury includes an MCL anterior band ligament reconstruction, otherwise known as Tommy John surgery. This is indicated in high-level throwers that want to continue competitive sports or for failed non-operative management in patients willing to undergo extensive rehabilitation. As far as the technique, reconstruction is favored over direct repair. As far as outcomes, 90% of patients return to pre-injury levels of throwing. Humeral docking is associated with better patient outcomes and lower complication rates compared to figure of eight fixation. Humeral docking has shown higher rates of return to sport compared to Job and modified Job techniques. Humeral docking and cortical button techniques are biomechanically stronger than figure of eight and interference screw fixation. Remember that none of the reconstructive methods are stronger than the native ligament. Humeral docking with interference screw fixation of the ulnar side showed strength of 95% of the native MCL. Now, let's talk about the surgical technique for MCL anterior band ligament reconstruction in a bit more detail. As far as the approach, a muscle splitting approach decreases morbidity to the flexor pronator mass. With respect to in situ ulnar nerve decompression, transposition is reserved for patients with preoperative ulnar nerve symptoms, a subluxating ulnar nerve, and patients with ulnar nerve motor weakness. With respect to reconstruction techniques, most techniques are performed using an autograft, like the palmaris longus or gracilis. However, allograft is also used. The modified Job technique is a figure of eight reconstruction where the palmaris longus tendon is commonly used. The graft is passed through two tunnels in the medial epicondyle of the humerus and a single tunnel in the ulnar sublime tubercle. A graft is sutured to itself in a figure of eight configuration. In the docking technique, graft limbs are tensioned through a single humeral docking tunnel. Suture limbs are passed through two bone punctures and sutured over a bony bridge on the medial epicondyle. As far as a hybrid interference screw technique, you will have an interference screw fixation into the ulna and docking fixation on the humerus. Finally, a cortical suspensory fixation, for example, an endobutton reconstruction, is used to stabilize the graft with an endobutton through the ulna. As far as early postoperative care, you will have early active wrist, elbow, and shoulder range of motion, and then strengthening exercises will begin four to six weeks postoperatively. Midterm postoperative care involves initiating a progressive throwing program at four months and avoiding valgus stress until four months postoperatively. Finally, patients will return to competitive throwing at nine to 12 months postop. As far as surgical complications, the ones to know include ulnar nerve injury, medial antibrachial cutaneous nerve injury, fracture of the ulna or medial epicondyle, elbow stiffness, or inability to regain pre-injury level throwing ability. With respect to the medial antibrachial cutaneous nerve injury, remember that this nerve is present at the distal aspect of the incision during an MCL anterior band ligament reconstruction. That's all for this review about medial ulnar collateral ligament injury. Hopefully that was helpful. Look out for questions related to this topic on this weekend's question session, and hopefully this episode will have prepared you for that review. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on iTunes. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow. <laughs>